0: Greetings, yeah. welcome to Karma Light Conversations. This is Francis Harry, your host. How many of you have ever, ever had a situation where the person you were dealing with was very annoying, a difficult person? How are we supposed to react? How are we supposed to treat these people? It can be really challenging. Teresa Trigstad, a member of the Secular Order of Discalced Carmelites in Dayton, Ohio, gave a talk called Dealing with Annoyances and Difficult People. In it, she gives some suggestions on how to deal with these situations. She gives some examples from St. Therese, The Little Flower. Um, She also um, talks about some of the virtues, especially meekness and how it comes to play when we deal with difficult people. I think this is very helpful um, in helping us to grow in our own spiritual lives by the way we love our neighbor. I hope that you will find it helpful as well. So, here is Teresa Trigstad dealing with annoyances and difficult people.
1: All right, good afternoon. Um, when Colleen sent this form out, you know, asking for people to uh, give talks. Um, this just jumped out at me this particular one because it's a discussion on dealing with annoyances and I am particularly blessed with annoyances (laughs) or at least in my perception in any event, let's go ahead and open um, with Glory Be in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Amen Amen. Glory be to the Father and and to the the Son and to the the Holy Holy Spirit. Spirit as As it was was in in the the beginning, beginning, is now, now, and ever shall be, world without end. end. Amen. Today, um, in talking about annoyances, I would like to examine the saints, particularly the Carmelite saints, who have said a lot um, to help us deal with them, and particularly Saint Therese. Um, There's not a person in this room that doesn't deal with annoyances on a daily basis. And being Carmelites we understand that living a perfect life does not mean that things should always go perfectly for us according to our wills But rather that the goal is that God's will be perfectly present in all situations so There's always crosses for us to carry um, And we have choices we can either be Simon of Cyrene helping to carry crosses Or we can be like people who add to other people's crosses, or sometimes we want to choose to run away from the cross. And so one has to ask themselves, how are you going to deal with crosses when they're presented to you? Let's imagine a scenario, okay? You've just finished uh, your afternoon chores, and it's early evening, and your house is quiet, and you take up your Liturgy of the Hours, and you open to today's evening prayer. Then you sing your hymn, and you reverently start to work your way through the first psalm. Then all of a sudden, your child just bursts in the room and just energetically has to tell you everything going on in their life. Or maybe the phone rings, and it's some relative who's just going to talk your ear off. You know, and it ruins your quiet, prayerful moment. I says, I'm sure for all of us, we have circumstances like this that hit us all the time. He says, were you disturbed that your prayer time was disturbed and how did you handle it well saint therese has a lot to say about being annoyed Um, and i also found some other writings from other carmelites because as i was doing thinking about this topic it seems like every day something popped out of scripture or popped out of readings or popped out of some prayers or something i was watching on ew10 and i thought oh my gosh Annoyances are so part of our life that it, the, the scripture and tradition drip with information to help us dealing with annoyances. Um, some of the other Carmelites I, I added to this were Father Gabriel of St. Mary Magdalene, um, as well as Elizabeth of the Trinity, um, St. Teresa of Avila, and then a few other Venerables that I thought their writings were quite significant. Um, looking at the life of Therese first, um, especially her years in the convent, they were quite difficult. If you think about it, you had Therese who came from sort of a upper-crust middle family, um, and lots of the women in the convent were kind of very lower-class, sort of more rough women, if you will, not well-educated, maybe more what you might call peasant stock. Um, Therese had difficulty with some of their roughness and crudeness. And, you know, this uh, comes across in uh, several of her writings, and one of them, I'm going to read a few quotes of hers. Um, She says, "Formerly, one of the nuns managed to irritate me whatever she did or said. The devil was mixed up in it, for it was he who made me see so many disagreeable traits in her. I says, this is a case... Of having to deal with annoyances of someone you have to live with on a regular basis you know like maybe your spouse (laughs) or a a close relative (laughs) Um, and it can be very hard sometimes Um, this could even be someone you have to work with or maybe a committee that you have to be on Um, how did Therese deal with this she wrote as I did not want to give way to my natural dislike for her I told myself that charity should not only be a matter of feeling but should show itself in deeds so I let set myself to do for this sister just what I should have done for someone I loved most dearly she says I did not remain content with praying a lot for this nun who caused me so much disturbance I tried to do as many things for her as I could and whenever I was tempted to speak unpleasantly to her I made myself give her a pleasant smile and tried to change the subject. And again, she says, when I was violently tempted by the devil, and if I could slip away without her seeing my inner struggle, I would flee like a soldier deserting the battlefield. After all this, she asked me one day with a beaming face, she said, Sister Therese, will you please tell me what attracts you so much to me? You give me such a charming smile whenever we meet. Ah, it was Jesus hidden in the depth of her soul who attracted me, Jesus who makes the bitterest things sweet. Therese kept it in her heart that Jesus abided in the soul of this other person as well as herself. How about when you're accused of a fault, either justly or unjustly? Surely this aggravates our pride. In her last conversations from the Yellow Notebook, Therese suggests the following, when we are misjudged or misunderstood, she says, when we're misunderstood and judged unfavorably, what good does it do to to explain ourselves? Let the matter drop and say nothing. We don't see in the Gospel where Mary explained herself, when her sister accused her of remaining at Jesus' feet doing nothing, no, she remained silent. Oh, blessed silence that gives so much peace to souls. Or how about when Therese, her many, many illnesses that she struggled through, she used these pains and sufferings not as a reason to complain or whine, but rather her small part to offer reparations for sinners as often as she could. So the question arises, is being annoyed a sin? And it depends what you do with it let's rather call annoyance a temptation to sin. At the very root of annoyance, and uh, what can go wrong with it is pride and anger. Virtues help us with annoyances, and the ones that come to my mind most acutely are humility, patience, and meekness. Meekness in particular is a useful virtue because of the great temptation with annoyances is to become angry And giving in to our passions. According to Father Gabriel of St. Mary Magdalene in Divine Intimacy, he says, meekness makes man a master of himself by controlling anger. The great value of this virtue lies in the fact that it assures the soul of inner peace which is so necessary in order to fulfill serenely all its duties towards God and neighbor. Unrestrained anger clouds the mind, preventing it from recognizing God's will and thus making the soul swerve from the line of duty to follow instead the impulses of passions. Our interior soul knows very well that everything that happens to us is permitted by God for our sanctification. But when we become clouded by anger, all interior peace vanishes. We can no longer contemplate and lose the ability to hear God's voice within. At moments like these, we should suspend every judgment and every impulsive act, striving instead to re-establish in our hearts the peace to judge things in the light of God. Venerable Dorotheus, who was an Egyptian abbot and a hermit who lived around 540, um, he had a quote that I loved, it was, The reason for all disturbance is that no one finds fault with himself. It's the Holy Spirit who resides in us that we have lost touch with. The Holy Spirit is the love of God. The gifts of the Spirit, wisdom, counsel, piety, understanding, fortitude, knowledge, and fear of the Lord are all ours for the asking. At the beginning of every Carmelite meeting, and we just did this a few minutes ago, we prayed the Veni Sancte Spiritus. One of the lines in there was, bend the stubborn heart and will, melt the frozen, warm the chill, guide our steps that go astray. I think this prayer can be used, uh, probably should be said daily, and we really ought to reflect on each of those little stanzas. The Holy Spirit can strengthen us to deal with annoyances. Before you react, find him within yourself and then go by his guidance. So following Teresa's advice, there are four practical suggestions um, for dealing with difficult persons. Number one, remember that charity must consist in, feel, not in feelings, but in works. Do for others what you would do for the person you love most. Secondly, pray for the person as you are dealing with them. Try to remember that they too are children of God and belong to Him. If you see a need they should have, pray that God will give it to them. Otherwise, thank God for their presence in your life. The irritation you are feeling is God's way of molding you and forming you into His divine will. Don't engage in the argument is her third point and change the subject. It's better to leave each one in his own opinion than to enter into an argument. You only need to watch the evening news for five minutes and realize how far arguing will get you. I mean, years and years of this and nothing has changed. The fourth point, smile a lot. When you are confronted with this person, See the opportunity that God is placing before you and before your soul. Do not be can't come engaged in your uncontrolled passions. And I find this smiling a very interesting tool. I've been trying it and uh, it's interesting because it's the exact opposite of what you wanna do. You wanna frown and yell out. And what it does is it prevents you from engaging in the passions. So you just like, you, you, you stop and you you arrest desire to blurt out something means. So it's a very interesting little tool and I recommend it. It's helped me a couple of times. Number five, uh, a point that I would like to add, um, and this sort of was information from Father Foley when he gave a talk a few years ago, um, is practice holding your tongue even just for a few moments. Don't blurt out the first thoughts that come to your mind. Wait and see what the Holy Spirit inspires and said. Instead, St. Elizabeth of the Trinity wrote this about finding faults. All the movements of pride that you find within yourself only become faults when the will part- takes part in them. Without that, although you may suffer much, you are not offending God. Doubtless, self love is at the bottom of those faults you commit without thinking. But that, in a way, too, is part of us. What God asks of you is never to entertain deliberately any thought of pride. And yet, if you find yourself doing this, you must not become disturbed, for again, it's your pride which became irritated because you gave in. Our little flower would ask us to remember that Christ is our sanctity. Of our own will, we can do nothing we usually end up doing harm to ourselves and others. Know that God's love is merciful and that if we ask for his grace, he will strengthen us eventually to overcome our pride. Here's a writing from um, Venerable Seraphim of Serov. Um, he was a saint in the Russian Orthodox Church and is considered a venerable in the Roman Rite. He's often quoted by St. John Paul too, which is how I found him. Um, And this is what uh, Venerable Seraphim wrote. You cannot be too gentle, too kind. Shun even to appear harsh in your treatment of each other. Joy, radiant joy, streams from the face of him who gives and kindles joy in the heart of him who receives. All condemnation is from the devil. Never condemn each other. We condemn each other only because we shun knowing ourselves. When we gaze at our own failings, we see such a swamp that nothing in another can equal it. That is why we turn away and make such fault of others. And instead of condemning others, strive to reach inner peace. Keep silent. Refrain from judgment. This will raise you above the deadly arrows of slander, insult, and outrage, and will shield your glowing hearts against all evil. So some other quotes from Therese that I picked up from just other little areas was, you're wrong to criticize this or that, to desire that everybody should adapt your view of things. Since we want to be little children, little children do not know what is best. And there is a way of refusing that is so gracious that the refusal gives as much pleasure as the gift. And again she says, I know now that the true charity consists in bearing all our neighbor's defects, not being surprised at their weakness, but being edified at their smallest virtues. And finally, she said, suffering is of all things that God can give us the best gift. He gives it only to his chosen friends. When I suffer much, when painful, disagreeable things happen to me, instead of looking sad, I try to smile. I was not always successful in this at the start but now it has become a habit. And I found another quote um, from Divine Intimacy, um, and this is from the Ignatian. Ignatius Press did a version that sort of follows the Novus Ordo rather than the Tridentine Rite. And um, it says in here, can Christians, God's children, love each other without mercy? In his Sermon on the Mount, after proclaiming the Beatitudes, Jesus explained the precept of love precisely within the framework of mercy. Love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you. Without this deep connotation of lenient and long-suffering forbearance, love could not last long among creatures, who because of their weakness are often the occasion of distress to each other and are hence in need of mutual forgiveness just as God loves us by being merciful to us. So we should also remember in loving one another that the more merciful we are, the more we will find mercy. The great reward promised to the merciful is that of finding mercy, which is as much to say of being assured of our eternal salvation in exchange for a little mercy shown towards our brothers for any offenses or debts, which however serious or small, are always limited in passing, we shall rejoice in and celebrate God's mercy for all eternity. Still, it is not uncommon for people to experience a certain difficulty in practicing mercy towards others. This can originate in our being too little conscious of our own indigence and hence of the immense need everyone has for God's mercy. In his sight, Even the saints are are always great debtors and poor, needy souls. No one, except the Blessed Mother, can say he or she has always been faithful to grace and love. No one can say he has never offended God, at least slightly. The saints were deeply convinced of this and felt a profound need for God's mercy and reflected upon it, having always judged it a small thing to be merciful to their neighbor and to forgive him even the most grievous offenses. The consciousness of our personal wretchedness makes us more understanding and tolerant toward the weaknesses of others. When we are penetrated with our need for God's mercy, mercy towards others comes out spontaneously. Then we no longer find it hard to forgive, but experience the joy of knowing how to pardon. Then we go in search of those who, for having offended us, have a greater right to our mercy Thus, they give us the opportunity to imitate the mercy of our Father in Heaven. I cannot believe, writes St. Teresa of Avila, that a person who comes so close to mercy itself, where he realizes what he is and the great deal God has pardoned him of, would fail to pardon his offender immediately. Thus all temptations to judge and condemn our neighbor fall away, and we become like Jesus, a dispenser of mercy of pardon, and of forbearance. So in summary, remember that the root cause of our sufferings is in being annoyed is pride and lack of mercy and lack of humility. We should consider our weakness, our sinfulness, and our nothingness of ourselves over others. Remember to be detached from ourselves as well as others. This will increase our love for God in doing his will alone. God allows these annoyances in our lives to help us to learn to love Him and Him alone. Annoyances help us to prune our pride, our lack of humility, and teaches us how to listen to Him above the screams of our passions. It is an opportunity to strengthen meekness, a quality best exemplified by the life of our Lord. And with that, I will say a closing prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus, meek and humble of heart, make our hearts like unto thine. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.